0: welcome to the fear being average podcast with your host mr brandon rinka we're back with episode number eight of the fear being average podcast health fitness and performance series and in today's episode we jump into the topic of building an awesome looking physique so we look at six different ways that you guys can maximize and optimize your training right different strategies and methods and simple timeless principles that will help guide you guys and gals in the right direction making sure you're not wasting your time and of course getting you in the proper mentality behind creating the best possible physique you desire like always guys please rate the podcast comment share do what you gotta do to help this thing grow and keep on listening enjoy today's episode So today is going to be a fun topic to discuss because from a aesthetic standpoint and an egotistical standpoint, we're looking at building the ultimate or an awesome looking physique. And I wouldn't even call this egotistical. It's almost evolutionary as well. And we'll get into that. But we're looking at the topic of how to build the ultimate looking physique and what an awesome looking physique looks like. Well, obviously, that's to the eye of the beholder. But traditionally, you know, we're talking about nice symmetrical proportions, a good strong body, low body fat, more lean muscle tissue, uh, and like I said, a balanced looking body, right? If I have great pecs, but my back is completely, you know, caved in and very weak looking and I'm very... You know, anterior loaded and I have that upper cross syndrome where my shoulder's round and my head sinks down. Not very attractive. So obviously that symmetrical aspect. And, and there are a lot of research studies that base attractiveness on symmetry, right? So it's not just one of those things we're making up, but the more symmetrical, you know, a person's eyes, nose, ears, face looks, and body looks, the more attractive they, they seem to be to other people. So, um... It's just just a fact. It's just what the studies and the research shows that symmetry is attractive. And if you look back to ancient times, you know you have these amazing sculptures that are you know chiseled out of granite and stone, and you look at these amazing bodies that are. I said, you know, created and their artwork and they're sculpted and there's every little detail and the muscles are are so pronounced. And these were the things of beauty. Those are the individuals that people looked up to as the epitome of strength and beauty and attractiveness. And I think from an evolutionary standpoint, it makes sense, right? We, We understand that why this look is so attractive. If we really dive into it a little bit, you know, when when we look at studies from you know evolutionary psychologists in terms of you know physical appearance eliciting more attractiveness to the opposite set or opposite sex or even the same sex, um, if we look at guys and girls, right. And when you see men with wider shoulders, that's typically one of those things uh, you know, wider, broader shoulders and a nice, strong, wide chest, and that seems to be very attractive to women. Uh, Again, if you want to look at it from more of a survival standpoint, an evolutionary standpoint, um, according to these evolutionary psychologists, you know, having big, broad shoulders and a strong chest, you know, is protective. They're very is a strong mate, someone to protect the family, go out and provide for the family Um, and also muscle also equates to fertility right if someone's well put together and well proportioned they have an increased you know likelihood of proper healthy fertility and high testosterone all things that female mates are looking to reproduce are going to want and find attractive right it just you know if you see someone who has the appearance of low testosterone and it's not going to protect you Um, Based on their physical stature, and they don't have the attributes, you know, contributing to high fertility, and they'd have low fertility, and there's less opportunity to reproduce, not very attractive. So, from a biological and evolutionary standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Same thing for women, right, with those wider hips and childbearing hips. Again, for men who want to reproduce and have offspring. You know, women that have wider hips traditionally are deemed as more attractive mates uh, because, again, they are more likely to produce healthy, strong offspring. So, again, and even waist to hip ratio, if we look at that, it's a very strong predictor of good health um, and fitness level and overall attractiveness. So typically you'll see that, right, when you're looking from that hip to waist ratio and even from your chest to waist and hip ratio, there should be discrepancy as well. And there are are actual numbers that would align that. I'll put that in the show notes. I don't know the exact numbers, Um, but there is an attractive scale of shoulder and chest width compared to waist and hip width. So very interesting stuff, but it makes sense. So when we're talking about building an awesome looking physique, those are the things that we're trying to do. Um, Obviously, we're looking to, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, reduce the body fat increase the lean muscle tissue, you know, sculpt the body like it's a piece of clay, um, and obviously, you know, make it well-proportioned, make it symmetrical. So we're going to dive into a few of the things that you can do to create an awesome-looking physique. Some of them you may be doing, some of the things you're probably and most likely neglecting based on your training approach or understanding of how to really produce a strong, healthy awesome looking physique and I guess we can more focus on the awesome than healthy necessarily um, because some people can equate you know a ripped body with, with being unhealthy depending on you know, the approach to that but obviously a strong well-balanced symmetrical body um, is more likely healthy than not we're not talking about someone who's taking anabolic steroids here we're talking about someone who is just using the appropriate strength building methods and uh, strategies to build that awesome looking physique. So we're going to dive into it. Okay, guys, so number one here, frequency. Um, It's a big part, right? Research and and, and studies obviously back this up quite heavily. Um, The more you work out, the more frequent and consistent you are with developing your body, you're going to increase protein synthesis. So every time you work out, basically, you send this signal, this muscle building signal, uh, signal, sorry, aka protein synthesis gets kicked out. So we, we basically elicit protein synthesis once we lift and after we finish lifting protein synthesis is at its highest most optimal rate Um, our muscle cells are most sensitive to insulin um, rather than our fat cells so naturally we're going to put on more muscle than fat so the more frequent we are with creating this muscle building signal and eliciting protein synthesis the more opportunity there is to put muscle on compared to fat so obviously if someone's working out one time per week or no times compared to someone working out three to five to six times per week there's going to be a much greater discrepancy of body composition and developing one's physique now obviously there's a point of diminishing returns it doesn't just keep going like that well if six is better than three then 12 must be better than six no of course you know there's a recovery aspect and intensity aspect that we need to you know obviously put into you know position to make sure that we're we're maximizing and optimizing our training and not just doing more but from a general standpoint if we're looking at someone working out you know one to two times per week naturally lifting four times per week is going to create a greater development of one's physique especially when we start talking about lagging muscle parts and body parts right Um, in terms of frequency there if we're trying to develop our glutes or or legs for example and we're hitting them once a week compared to two or three times per week the person who's lifting two to three times per week intelligently and appropriately is going to see far greater development and at a much faster rate so frequency is a big one so in terms of you building a great looking physique not only are we talking about frequency in terms of during the week but over time right the more frequent you are in Creating this muscle building signal, over time, your body's gonna look stronger, right? That's why you see people that have been working out for eight to 10 years, which, you know, when you think about it, seems like a really long time, but over the years, you, know, you start at 20 years old or you start at 25 years old or 18 years old, for example, you know, eight years and 10 years comes fairly fast. And if you're doing it and approaching your workout very intelligently, you're gonna see some amazing results. So, obviously, With this podcast, we can't think about, you know, five to ten years from now. I don't think that's very motivating. Uh, But if we're talking about really maximizing our training, frequency is going to play a huge role in developing that physique and obviously how we're approaching our workouts and making sure we're maximizing our workouts. So again, make sure you're investing more time into working out. And one great way to do this, because sometimes I really like promoting the idea of, you know, three full body workouts, I think for the average person, this tends to work out the best in terms of time. Um, I think that's one thing that uh, probably one of the biggest reasons or excuses people don't develop their body and invest time into themselves is time and money. So if we're talking about time, for example, you know, obviously, six days a week might not seem very feasible, We're three days a week, Okay, we have 168 hours in a work week. We're looking for 165 hours of do whatever you want. Three hours of that 168 we're going to invest back into ourselves into developing an awesome looking physique amazing so three full body days we get tons of protein synthesis created Uh, we're hitting the same muscle in different workouts so there's more opportunity to develop that particular muscle we can invest a lot in big compound movements so in between those days though i like to suggest trigger sessions so these small little sessions where it's not built on really taxing the central nervous system or beating the body up or even being or being sorry consisting of a very long session, more so of a pump, right? We're looking to adding these small twenty minute trigger sessions where we're focusing on lagging muscle parts. Right, maybe we want to do some you know bicep curls and you know tricep extensions or push downs or doing some shrugs, um, you know, something of that nature. We're working our calves, Um, we're doing leg extensions, leg curls with very minimal tempo to it. We're basically just creating a lot of blood flow and that is obviously helping the body prime itself for the next workout, which is great because blood flow and movement is a great indicator of development and recovery, but also it creates that muscle building signal. Smaller compared to those big, higher CNS compound days, but But at the same token, at least we're getting a small signal compared to no signal. So if you're looking at yourself and saying, well, I'm a three time per week or I'm a body part split, I'm an upper lower split, so you do two upper, two lower a week, and you want to add in a little bit more work, but you really don't have a lot of time or energy to go into big, hard workouts, nor would I suggest it, then you can go into small little trigger sessions where it could even be, you know, in between... um, Let's just say hours from your workday or at lunchtime, you do 10 minutes of kettlebell swings, right? A great conditioning option that is muscle preserving and muscle building and fat burning. Um, or you go for and you do some sprints or you do, like I said, some banded or light dumbbell isolation work. And I think those are great opportunities to create that pump, create that small signal, muscle building signal that is, and that will really help with the frequency aspect, without you really feeling like you're doing too much, having to drive to the gym, do a whole bunch of stuff. It's not over consuming your life, but it's a great way to add in frequency to achieving an awesome looking physique. Number two, jumping into exercise selection. So, what we wanna do in terms of building an awesome looking physique, we want to make sure we're investing our time in the right movement patterns and the right exercises. Too often when we're trying to develop that physique, you see, and I think social media, Instagram has become a huge uh, roller coaster for this, and not even a roller coaster, it's more of a crapshoot in terms of exercises people are doing that really don't provide a ton of value at all. Because people that can be in really good shape can be showing you the workouts they're doing, but that might not be the thing that actually got them in shape in the first place. So it's really kind of, uh, inappropriate advice because it's not telling you the whole origin story the backstory of how they built that muscle and that might be some some good exercise now for them to sculpt these small little areas and keep things you know tight but it's not going to develop or elicit a great muscle building response so when we're talking about working out and developing an awesome looking physique you want to make sure you're investing 80 to 90 percent of your time in the big compound movements and i've done Plenty of podcasts now, um, and probably every podcast uh, around fitness, I kind of go back to this subject of doing compound movements. And compound movements are the movements that require the most amount of motor control. It will elicit the most muscle fiber recruitment and motor unit recruitment. Um, They're usually movements that require more than one muscle to be engaged. For example, a squat would elicit hamstring, glute, hips and quads uh, a bench press shoulder tricep and chest overhead press tricep upper back traps shoulders Um, those big movements deadlifts obviously you get the latissimus dorsi the back there Um, you're going to have the hamstrings involved the glutes involved with hip flexion hip extension Um, just a great big movement pattern that is going to light up the cns and obviously create a huge signal so when we talk about those trigger sessions these are the main sessions that are, are not only going to list a little bit of that muscle building signal but a huge muscle building signal so if we're in the gym doing donkey kickbacks and we're doing fire hydrants and we're doing bicep curls and tricep pushdowns and you know tricep kickbacks and dumbbell flies all all this little stuff all the time yeah we're we're going to see growth. We're gonna develop the body obviously. We're still sending a a good signal to the body, but it's gonna take a lot longer. And in terms of building an awesome looking physique, we're not talking about building a physique that looks pretty good. We're talking about building an awesome looking physique. Awesome is the operative word for this podcast, and we need to make sure we're investing our time appropriately, especially if you're someone in the gym who might be lacking in the frequency department, or if you're someone new to the gym or, you know, you want to see the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Um, This doesn't mean it's going to be a quick result, but you want to make sure the result that you could get, an awesome looking physique, let's just say in three to four years, well, that's a lot better than doing smaller, poor exercise selections and taking you, you know, six to eight years, right? Because at the same time, to really build your muscles up, you need to create a very big signal and you need to invest in those big compound movements. And again, you'll notice, you, you take somebody who's doing those isolation exercises all the time compared to someone who's really having to recruit a lot of muscle fibers, which is a huge indicator of muscle growth, Naturally, right? The more muscle fibers we recruit and we we're fatigue, we're going to have to call on more muscle fibers, which is going to help the body grow and develop. There's no competition, right? Like the, the the person who's doing compounds is going to crush the person doing isolation exercise, and not only from building muscle in the recruitment standpoint, but they're going to get way stronger. And when the body gets way stronger, again, there's a greater signal sent, and there's going to be a bigger response to that. So when you get stronger. There is that natural development of strength. And if you get stronger, you can now squat more for 10 reps and squat more for eight reps and bench press more for five reps. And naturally, if you keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger, when you do go into your muscle building phases, you're lifting more weight than the person who's just working on those small, you know, basic exercises that aren't creating a much stronger version of themselves is more built around, you know, not small little sculpting. Um, That's why I always talk about building a big base of strength first and getting really good at those big compound movements. And then you can manipulate the routine and blocks of training specifically for your goals, but you're always going to have that strength built into you and you're gonna have a phenomenal foundation that you can just keep growing on. So that's a huge one. So when you are going, Through a routine or program, the exercises you choose and the order in which you do those exercises is going to be a huge factor in regards to what gets developed and how fast and how efficiently, right? Naturally, I like to do my big compounds first. Um, Again, there's always different ways and approaches to that. If I wanted, let's just say my glutes to get lit up in my squat, however, but I'm very quad dominant, well, off the bat, I might do an a, uh, a quad isolation exercise like leg extensions, just to tax the quads a little bit more, um and then do a sl- little bit of glute isolation just to make sure my glutes are firing. So then, when I go into a squat and I need to actually push myself up, if my quads are a little bit taxed from those leg extensions, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to have to rely on my posterior chain, my hamstrings and glutes more to push out of the hole and get back up to a standing position. So that's a great technique you can use for bench press, same thing. if You want your chest to be more engaged, you know, do some lateral raises first or do some tricep pushdowns. So if the triceps and shoulders are fatigued, guess what muscle is going to respond really well to get the bar the the weight up? The chest. So, just some small little tricks you guys can use in terms of maximizing your exercise selection. Um, And and just so I can do a quick rundown of the biggest muscle groups and the best exercise for those, if we're thinking, we'll go top down. If we're thinking, you know, shoulders, overhead press, military press, dumbbell um, press works amazing for those big compound movements. If we're going to the back of the body, you know, Bent over rows is a huge one. Penley rows, uh, pull-ups, chin-ups, great for the back. If we're doing chest now, um, you want the barbell bench press, the incline press, dumbbell, incline, um, or flat bench press is amazing. If we're going down to the quads, and we're still working on that anterior Part of the body. Obviously, squats has to be the number one thing to do. Um, If we're looking at the posterior chain, there's a lot of variations of squats, by the way, right? If you're doing bilateral barbell, you're trying to hit the quads most specifically, I would say front squats. Um, You can also do split squats as well. Um, Bulgarian split squats work amazing. That hits a lot of the posterior chain, depending on your hip angle and leg position. Now, if we're looking at the posterior chain, we'll go into glutes first. Hip thruster is a big one, squats is a huge one. Again, you can use the technique I mentioned in terms of pre-fatiguing the quads. Um, single leg hip thrust is a great exercise. If we're looking at the hamstrings, and I, the hamstring one is gonna kind of tie into the glute one, um, but I love the you know barbell deadlift. Romanian deadlift is, and sumo deadlift are my two favorite in terms of glute and hamstring engagement. You'll notice the glutes a little bit more in the sumo because you are pressed out on an angle. So you're having to stabilize yourself or your glutes are stabilizing you and you're pushing your knees out. So you have that abduction being created. um, So you'll naturally see the the side butt really get fired up. Um, With the Romanian deadlift, we have that slight bend of the knees and you push your butt hips back. You're going to get a lot of hamstring engagement, especially if you peel your toes up a little bit. A great technique, use some, you know, five pound weights and just elevate your toes ever so slightly, push the hips back as if you're trying to touch your butt and hamstrings to the back of the room and your hamstrings will be lit up. Uh, And if we're working our way down, I think that's basically it for the body. Um, Yeah, so those are the big compound movements you definitely want to invest a ton of time into and um, any kind of overall CNS movements, farmer carries, sleds, drags, pushes, pulls um, are going to be amazing to develop a phenomenal awesome looking physique um, if you put 89% of your time into those movements you're going to see a great looking physique in a fraction of the time if you were to pair it with piss poor or not pair but you substitute it with piss poor exercises that just don't make a whole lot of sense or create a huge muscle building signal okay number three ironically we're going to go into picking isolation movements to sculpt the body so we talked about exercise selection and the importance of picking those big compound movements to create the greatest muscle building response but now if we're talking about building an awesome looking physique we have to look at isolation we have to look at the best people in the world who do this which is bodybuilders bodybuilders are the best athletes in the world at sculpting their body they look the most impressive from a purely aesthetic standpoint regardless if you feel like it's attractive or not you're looking at a guy or girl who has abs and is basically looks like a greek god if that's attractive to you or not those are the people with the best looking physiques it doesn't mean you're going to become that person if you train like this you're not that takes a 0.01 type of discipline and all around crazy mentality to create a physique like that Um, and sometimes yes the use of anabolic steroids if we're talking about you know professional bodybuilders but even you know natural fitness models and bodybuilder types uh, that's not sustainable you know you're not going to accidentally become that that takes a great deal of intention and attention to detail um, something that you're just not going to do unless you're pursuing that field so don't have to worry about me you know signifying isolation movements with those bodybuilders you're not going to become that do not worry don't panic if you accidentally become a chiseled machine you owe me a lot of money for this podcast okay because my techniques worked but isolation movements to sculpt the body right if you think about it it makes a lot of sense if we're looking to build an awesome looking physique we already talked about the importance of symmetric um symmetric oh my god symmetry and having symmetrical body and creating balance with the body. And that's what isolation movements are great for, right? If I end up doing only compounds all the time, compound movements, there's a slight opportunity that I'm going to have certain parts of the body take over, right? If I'm doing a pull-up, for example, you know, I might have a lot of, you know, mid-back or lat engagement, but not a huge amount of bicep. Yes, I'm going to have, a, you know, good amount of bicep engagement, but there's a chance that it's not being recruited enough to see noticeable development. Um, If you think with the glutes, for example, has three different parts of the glutes, you know, the glute med, the glute minimus, and then the the glute maximus. And to really develop a great looking pair of glutes, which is your butt guys, you want to make sure that you're hitting those different movements to target the different angles of the muscle. So if I were only to do, let's just say hip thrusts and squats, I'm yeah, I'm going to probably develop a great looking butt to to a certain degree, but let's just say the butt gets lifted, but it's not really rounded because we're not hitting the side butt. We're not doing isolation exercises to really sculpt and shape the muscle. So that's where we want to make sure we're hitting different angles, right? If you think about the shoulders, for example, you have, you know, the front deltoids, which are typically the most uh, abused portion of the shoulder, right? With the overhead press and the incline dumbbell press. Um, It's just naturally your front delts are going to kick in, and we're, you know, very front-loaded as as a society, so we want to make sure we hit our lateral deltoids and our rear deltoids, things that usually get neglected, especially if you're just focused on those big compound movements. So if we're looking to really sculpt the body, we're going to have to involve ourselves in isolation movements, right, especially... Like we said, for the rear delts and lateral deltoids, for example, the lateral raises and rear delt raises, though that focus will help develop a very balanced looking physique. And that's where pull downs come in and cable rows and chest flies and leg extensions and hamstring curls and the abduction machine and kickbacks. All those things actually play a huge role and bicep curls and hammer curls and tricep pushdowns and overhead extensions all these little movements are great nuances to add into your routine for uh, you know, a point of novelty and really attack lagging muscle parts. So not only from an isolation standpoint, um now that no muscle's ever really isolated if you really think it but if I'm doing a bicep curl, you know, obviously it's not just my bicep. There's gonna have other parts of my body. It's just that it's the majority is bicep maybe like 90 percent. i don't know the percentages but i'm gonna have some tricep i'm gonna have a little bit of my back involved just is what it is part of the process but if we have lagging muscle groups we need to make sure we're doing isolation exercises because we need to be very specific um, like i always tell people when i do my consulting work at the gym they come in and i say well if you do a general workout which is say like a natural group class you're going to get general results. That just makes sense. If you really think about if I'm putting together a workout for 27 or 10 or 15 or five different people for that matter, and everyone's doing the same thing, it's fairly general, right? That could be someone who's overweight, could be someone who's really fit, could be someone who's really skinny, could be a novice, could be a very experienced individual, personal trainer. So there's a huge list, yet I'm telling everybody to do the same thing and to coach that many people and really... Make sure forms on point. It's a very difficult task, and it's you're gonna be you know, few and far between. Am I gonna be able to correct? So if I'm doing that for the large majority, for example, it's going to create a general result because we're doing a general based workout. However, if we are doing more specific exercises and specific movements and individualized movements for your particular body type, for your particular strengths and your particular weaknesses, then we can really develop an awesome-looking physique because it's specific to you. It is individualized to your genetic makeup, to your body type, to the things that you need working on. So isolation movements are not only great to shape and sculpt the body, but they're great to target any of those lagging muscle parts and and body parts that are particular to just you as an individual not as a whole right so for you you'd look at your body and go okay i really want to make sure i focus on my biceps or i want to focus my rear delts because i'm very front loaded with my shoulders what my suggestion would be if you're throwing in isolation movements always make those typically you know you can superset them you can throw a couple in to end the workout more of that pump type thing um is a very low CNS. You don't need to have crazy weight for that. I wouldn't you know, waste my time fatiguing myself in isolation movements just to have a weaker bench press or squat. But what I would do is I would make sure I'm super focused on the connection of the muscle, super focused on you know mixing it up, playing around with it, and picking one or two things you want to work on per block of training. So if it's you know block of training for six weeks, for example, I wouldn't say, well, I want to make sure I sculpt my biceps, my rear delts, my, my quads, my glutes and my calves. That's a lot to really put detailed isolation work into. I would pick, okay, well this six week block, I'm going to really focus on my rear delts and I'm going to focus on my under pecs, right? So just underneath the chest there, part of the chest. Okay, great. And then I might hit a leg too. So I'm going to pick, um, my quads. I'm going to go really quad focused. I'm going to go really, you know, under chest, and I'm going to go rear delts. And now you start picking isolation exercises particular to those parts of the body, and you really invest a lot of time developing those from different angles and different methods and all that fun stuff. And then you'll see a noticeable difference in six weeks. Rather than chasing eight different, you know, body parts that you want to isolate and develop when you're basically kind of getting... 30% Thirty percent here, thirty percent there. Give a ton of attention to those particular, you know, muscle parts, body parts, sorry, and muscle groups, and then the next block of training shift it over. It doesn't mean you neglect your rear delts and you know your under and your quads now but you'll put your isolation work more towards, let's just say, the hamstrings or the glutes or the lateral delts or the, the rhomboids, something of that nature. But that's just my suggestion and a great way to incorporate isolation movements and get the most out of isolation movements to make sure that you do achieve an awesome-looking physique. Number four, a slow and connected movement sequence. So when we're talking about building an awesome-looking physique, Here's what happens to the majority of people that go to gym, and why people need a coach and trainer, and that's why where online programs even are, are really valuable because if a good trainer or coach puts together an online program, they can put t- tempo with that workout, and tempo is a huge factor. When we're talking about actually building physique, it's not just about sets and reps and weight; it's how you use those sets, reps, and weights. So, with this suggestion. And this tip of being slow and connected with the movements, what we're talking about is tempo. We're talking about the squeeze. We're talking about the isometric contraction um, and basically maximizing the types of contraction that the muscle is going through through a rep in a given set. So a great research is behind this, but a great tempo in terms of really eliciting the most muscle damage and creating a great muscle building response You want to obviously really accentuate the eccentric, the lowering phase of a lift, squatting down, bench pressing the weight up, overhead pressing the weight down. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the bench press would be going down, shoulder press, the weight coming down to your chest, the deadlift after you lock out, bringing the bar down. That's the eccentric. It's the lowering phase of the lift where the concentric is the lifting portion, right? That's the bench press from your chest up the squat from the bottom of the squat, back up to standing, the deadlift from the bottom position to a lockout, overhead press from your chest overhead. So that would be the concentric. So you wanna focus on the eccentric, the lowering phase. And the great tempo to use is four seconds down, right? Because everyone has you know fuzzy logic when it comes to how slow they're going or how fast they're going. Everyone thinks they're moving slow. Four seconds is slow. It feels really slow. And even if you don't get four, and God forbid you got three, not the end of the world, right? But with four seconds, if you hit a honest, authentic four seconds down, you're going to do some real damage to the muscle. You're going to create an amazing response and signal built around hypertrophy and building that muscle tissue and tearing the muscle fibers that we're looking to tear. All good things, right? But when we have a two-second tempo or a one-second tempo and the time or tension for a Set of ten reps is twelve seconds. Well, it's not enough time under tension, especially for a weight that is being moved for ten reps, right? If we're doing something that recruit recruited a whole bunch of motor units, and because we needed to move a lot of weight very quickly, and it's only you know a five second time under tension, but the weight and load is you know exceptional. And that's a different story. But when we're talking about true hypertrophy and and t- kicking around the stage of eight to 15 reps, we want to make sure time under tension is much higher, right? Somewhere between 40 to 60 seconds. So every set you do, in terms of this slow and connected movement tip here, look to be between 40 and 60 seconds per set, okay? And by the end of that 40 or 60 seconds, the muscles should be really fighting to get the rep up. There shouldn't be four to five or six reps in the tank, right? You shouldn't be picking a weight that you're doing 12 reps for with a four-second eccentric, which would give us 48 seconds of time and tension for that set, and we still have another five reps in the tank, right? That shouldn't be the case. We should be pushing those last two to three reps up with some decent force, some real engagement. Maybe we should be recruiting more muscle fibers and fatiguing them as the set goes on. Now, in terms of the squeeze and the isometrics, it's a great opportunity to increase my muscle connection, which is basically the feel of the muscle. So when you're going through it, and sorry, I'm gonna go back quickly. I don't wanna forget that point. When you're doing a slower eccentric tempo, lighten the weight. You will not be able to move the same amount of weight for 10 reps with a 1 1 1 tempo, which is one second down, one second hold, one second press, or even a 1 0 0, where it's one second down, and zero off your chest, compared to someone who's doing four seconds down. If you're doing four seconds down, you're going to have to radically and drastically reduce the weight that you're using, and you need to put your ego aside, and you need to go in there with intention and tell yourself, this is about me feeling the muscle, this is me. You know, trying to really connect to the muscle, not about how much weight I can lift. So that might look like you're traditionally pushing two hundred and five pounds on the bench press for ten reps with a normal, traditional tempo, with four seconds going down. You might be doing one hundred and thirty five pounds. Put your ego aside. Who cares? You're looking to build an awesome looking physique. Slow it down. Put your ego aside. Lift lighter. Now, there's gonna be. This isn't me saying, hey, all of a sudden you're off the hook. You never gonna need to lift heavy again. No, I'm a huge advocate of lifting heavy I always lift heavy to a certain degree in my workouts sometimes more depending on the block but when I lift heavy it's about speed of contraction it's about a heavy heavy load something that you need to work your way up to something you need to experience because a lot of people have no idea what a five to three to one rep max feels like um, it's a different beast and for a lot of people they think 10 reps is heavy no five three one that's heavy so you're going lighter because you're in that block of training, slow it down, feel the muscle, put your ego aside. Back to the isometrics. So when we're doing an isometric and that's holding the muscle, it's really at the bottom and most high tension position of the movement pattern. If you were to think about it, it's the bottom of the squat where you're the weakest. On the bench press is the bottom where the bar is on your chest or just above it, an inch above, overhead press, right? Probably just above the chest there. All those movement patterns. So when it's the hardest part where you got to the top or the bottom of the position there, you want to squeeze, right? When the most tension is being created, you want to really squeeze and feel the muscle. It's a great opportunity if we're looking to build an awesome looking physique and we're looking to sculpt, right? It's different than just being strong guys. If we're looking to sculpt and build that physique, we need to make sure that muscle that we're trying to grow and develop is working. I don't want in a squat, if I'm trying to, as a poor example, I don't use squat, I'll say in a leg extension where I'm really isolating my quads, right? And I lift my leg up with full extension. I want to feel my quad. It's designed, that movement is designed to make sure my quad is taking the brunt of the stress. So that isometric squeeze at the top, whether it's for one to three seconds, you play around with it. Obviously, that's a whole another game of how you program that. But you want to focus on your quad taking the stress and being engaged. So you're fully focused on that muscle working so when we're doing that isometric squeeze like so let's say in a cable row for your back and your scapula and rhomboids make sure you're pinching the shoulder blades together your shoulders are back and down your hands are tight to your body your elbows are tight to your side and you're squeezing the hell out of your lower or your mid, mid back sorry Right, that's what we're working, that's the muscle we're trying to engage. Same thing with hip thrust, perfect example, where we have way too much quad or hamstring engagement because we don't take the time to squeeze the top of the movement. Probably the main example I'll throw out because there's not a huge amount of tension on the eccentric of a hip thrust. When we're lowering the weight, it's not like a squat or a deadlift or a bench press. So what we want to do is really maximize isometric. I think that's probably the best exercise I can use to say, hey, we want to maximize isometric so much so because the eccentric really isn't doing too much here. So when we get to the top of that movement, your hips are in full extension from flexion. You want to make sure you're squeezing your glutes as hard as possible because if not, you'll notice that your quads will take over, your hamstrings will take over. So you got to take the time, focus on the squeeze, be very connected to the movements. Doing that will create such a difference in your training that you'll notice some massive gains because you finally are recruiting the muscle you're trying to grow and develop compared to having the most dominant muscle that is so used to taking over, doing its thing and taking over the lift. Hence why you might have really big quads and really poor glute development or you have really, you know, strong Shoulders, but a really weak chest because your shoulders keep taking over, right? If you're feeling the stretch and you're connected to the movement, there's much greater opportunity and likelihood for you to develop that particular part of the body. Okay, guys, number five, big one. Again, I've probably done a whole podcast on this before. I'm not sure. I could probably go back, and I don't know why I wouldn't have done it. But proper strength building methods. This is huge, right? All the stuff I talked about. If you're not using proper strength building methods. You're not gonna see great results. You're gonna see so-so results. You're gonna be you're gonna be someone who's in kind of good shape. You might have, you know, good aerobic, and you might look like you work out a little bit, but you're never gonna develop an awesome looking physique. And that's just the the truth of the story, right? If you don't use these proper strength building methods and strategies, you will not. You'll you'll develop a mediocre looking physique, right? Someone, like I said, who looks like they go to the gym potentially if you're doing the other stuff. But you know, you're going you're gonna to leave a lot of gains on the table. And while we're training, especially, we talked about potentially with that frequency, three days a week, four days a week, you got to maximize your training. You, know, you got to make sure you're investing that time. We're a very result-oriented society. So if we don't see results, we're going to stop doing what we're doing. We're going to find something else to do. So this is huge. These proper strength building methods is going to be a huge game changer. Good old H2O, get it in ya. So really quickly to go over a few of them. Progressive overload, simple, easy, you know, definition of that is giving your body more stress and stimuli to adapt to. Um, We want to keep challenging the body. We want the body to get stronger. Um, Obviously, build muscle. How we do that is we challenge the system. If I keep giving the same weight over time, same reps, the same sets, I don't challenge the body to do more. It's never going to get bigger and stronger. The body's only going to get as big and strong as it needs to be. So if I don't force the body to get stronger or bigger, it will not get bigger and stronger. So I need to make sure I'm constantly challenging the body with progressive overload and doing things that would recruit a greater amount of stress on the system. Different blocks of training, huge component, right? We got to make sure we mix things up, guys. You know, this is just a strength training 101. If I constantly do strength training, I'm going to... Hit a plateau. Uh, My body's gonna adapt. There's only a certain level of strength I can get before I need to put on more muscle tissue. Right? I need more muscle to get more strength. Or I need more muscular endurance so I can, you know, have more volume in my workouts. Or I need some HIT training involved in my workout because all I focus on is strength training and eating a lot of food. Well, a certain point our body's very good and it's what it's designed to do, it adapts. It adapts to the stress, it adapts to what we the environment that we, we put it in. So if we constantly do the same thing for month after month after month, guess what's gonna happen? It's gonna plateau, it's gonna shut down in terms of there's no new response, right? Or or it's this we're trying to give it a new response, but our body is said, Hey, we've been doing this for so long. We need something new. We need something different here. So if we constantly train for strength or constantly train for hypertrophy, um, that one you can kind of get around with, but the same token, like I said, at a certain point, your body's going to need to get stronger, your body's going to need more muscle tissue, or your body's going to need to, um, you know, do some sort of workout that creates a greater fat burning response. So we need to make sure that we take time to train in different blocks, right? Four to eight to 12 weeks of strength. 4 to 12 weeks of muscle building, 4 to 12 weeks of muscular endurance, all the all of them have the same component and same goal, right, at the end of the day, is to create a better looking physique, and you're looking to create a greater response the next time you go into that block of training. So when I do, if I'm really passionate about strength training, which I am, I'm not a huge muscle building guy, I like having a good strong physique, of course, but I have no desire to become a bodybuilder or create a physique like that, but I will do muscle building blocks of training to build more muscle so when i go back to my strength training i have more muscle to help me push more weight when i do strength training right same thing with muscular endurance if i constantly train in the one to six rep range in strength and i never never give my body the opportunity to hit 20 plus reps guess what's going to happen my body's going to get very adapted to that low rep of um type of training and i'm going to leave a lot of Potential gains on the table. So when I go into a block of training where I go into like tough 20 rep sets, my body, because it's completely new, it's a new type of stimulus, a new type of stress, it's going to create a massive signal, right? I just went from training with one to six reps to now 20, right? Regardless of how much weight I have to reduce in the bar, because obviously doing 20 reps compared to five reps, for example, a much bigger difference but that 20 reps is such a new stimulus it's a new type of stress and my body's going to respond very favorably it's going to be a very strong response and you're going to see noticeable gains and that's the beauty of it and that's what keeps people really excited about the gym And what's keeps people really developing their body is that they go from blocks of training you know back and forth for four to twelve weeks here and there if you really break it down for a year you know if you do 4 12 week blocks you know you use strength you do muscle building you do muscular endurance you do a little bit more foundational work using unilateral work which i'm i'm doing a phase right now i'm getting ready for a 12 week you know record summer project in strength and endurance and my first 4 to 6 weeks is based on unilateral movements now i have three big movements I'm going to be doing for this record project. Um, but I'm going to do six weeks where I'm taking that movement and I'm creating a unilateral variation of it, right? For the squat, I do split squats. For the deadlift, I do a staggered stance split squat deadlift. For bench press, I can do, you know, dumbbell incline or flat chest press, right? But I do alternating, so I hit different um, one, muscle, one arm at a time or one pack at a time. So that type of training, so when I go back into now doing bilateral training, for example, my muscles are going to feel super strong. I'm going to be super engaged with the muscle because not only am I rectifying imbalances right now by doing unilateral training, I reduce the chance of and risk of injury, and I develop each side equally. So I have a great opportunity to maximize that muscle development per side of the body, and when I go back to bilateral training, I should be much more stable, I should have much less risk of injury, and I should be much stronger, right, so if I didn't do this block of unilateral training, and I didn't, you know, differentiate how I train my body, my body will get very adapted to training, okay, we're doing, we're a two-legged guy, we're going to do bilateral squats, and which means two-legged squats, bilateral deadlifts, bilateral chest press, and eventually, you know, my power muscles are going to get recruited more and maybe my one side is going to really get abused but if i really now train like this there's greater opportunity for a new response to be created that's what i'm trying to do so we need to make sure that we create different blocks of training if we're trying to create an awesome looking physique which this podcast is about if you train in the same system if you always do hit training if you always do muscle building if you always do strength we're leaving a lot on the table right and i see this all the time right that's why classes can be a phenomenal tool if you're doing the same thing over and over for a year to 6 months look at the research i don't, don't got to say much much more than that look at the research okay guys and also sticking to a block of training we talk about proper strength building methods if you're doing strength stick to strength for 4 to 12 weeks if you're doing muscle building stick to it don't do cardio and train for a marathon while you're trying to build strength don't uh, do hypertrophy training while doing a whole bunch of hit training, you know, like pick one, stick with it, you know, like, and and stick to a program. You know, that's, that's probably the lost art of working out right now is people can't stick to programs, right? They want something new every single time. They want new stimulation. They want new excitement. They want new exercise. They want a burpee into a lunge, into a press. And if you don't do it, if you do the same thing next week, God forbid, right? Where people got to just learn to understand that, Hey, to get better at a movement, to get stronger movement, we got to do it a lot, right? To get good at a squat, I got to squat. There, I don't, I don't have any blocks of training where I don't squat, right? Why? Because it's such a big movement. And I need to get good at it. So if I constantly give my body this week I do split squats, next week I do bilateral squats, then I do goblet squats, then I do rear foot elevated squats. Like, okay, that's great, but at the same time, never getting really good at a back squat because I've done four different variations in four weeks. So give your body a chance to adapt, stick to a plan, stick to some exercises, get good at it, right? If I'm doing body weight dips, do a block of training in body weight dips or, or dips, sorry, you can do weighted dips. You can do body weight. You can do eccentric loaded. You can do more of an isometric. You can do volume. You can do undulated where you do a mix, you know, high volume, low rep, all that different stuff, right? But you get you want to get good at the movement pattern, right? If you keep jumping around at dips one day and then the next two weeks, Go by and i haven't done dips again well i'm not doing myself much good i'm doing myself a big disservice so learn to make sure you get comfortable and you can if you're someone who's type a and you're like i don't want to do the same routine week to week okay we can play around with that we can throw in like i mentioned different isolation movements that one i don't care if we switch up isolate i don't care if i do a bicep curl this week and next week i do a hammer curl right i'm hitting my biceps i don't care about how strong or good i get at a bicep curl it's a very easy movement to learn but those big compound movements there's a huge learning curve to do it so i got to make sure i invest a lot of time in those movements or i'm never going to get strong or good to them so the bigger more muscle developing movements spend more time doing them be more invested in the process be more invested in getting good at those movements and do them much more frequently okay guys and on that proper strength building methods is a long one don't overdo cardio and high stress workouts right we don't need to do, you know, all these workouts that are creating a whole bunch of stress in the system, we're trying to build an awesome looking physique, the more stress we accrue, the worse it is for us, right, we need to make sure that we do as much as the body can handle without eliciting a huge stress response, right, because too much stress, muscle breakdown, we want to find a good healthy balance of challenge the body having that acute stress spike with our workout but then getting the body back down if i'm constantly going and doing a whole bunch of high stress workouts i'm not giving my body a chance to recover or build not a good situation i'm overdoing cardio Uh, what happens when we overdo cardio especially the static form of cardio well we we break down muscle tissue we break down muscle tissue we don't create a very good looking physique we create a weaker softer looking physique not what we're trying to accomplish here so don't overdo cardio when you're trying to build an awesome looking physique don't do high stress workouts do all the other fun stuff we talked about in this little section. Okay, guys, final one here. We're going to go into mentality. So if you're looking to build an awesome-looking physique, there is a, ment- a mentality attached to that. You can't just say, I want to build an awesome-looking physique. If you have a you know lackluster and a piss-poor mentality, you're going to have piss-poor results, right? So what does a healthy, strong, Awesome looking physique mentality look like. For one, intensity. When you go to workout, work out, work out hard, right? Work out with some intention. that doesn't mean every single workout you got to pick the heaviest weight and do, you know, like I said, that eccentric day where you have lighter weight and slower movements, that's still, you can still have great intensity. It's focusing on the muscle, that kind of intensity. On a strength day or block, it's focusing on intensity of pushing your weight or being focused. We just don't want to go in there, play around on our phone on Instagram, dick around laugh laugh all the time, you know, have fun, of course, but lift hard, train hard. If you want to build an awesome looking physique, it requires some intentional lifting. It requires a focus or it requires a mentality based around, you know, production here, right? And you got to ask yourself, am I going to the gym to have fun and laugh? Or am I going there to create a result, right? You can have the best of both worlds, but again, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You got to find a healthy balance. I do both. But when I lift, go in there to lift, I lift, okay? If I see people and I want to chat with them, I'll chat with them. But again, when I'm lifting, I'm lifting. I'm not playing around. I'm not picking low weights so when I'm doing the strength day. I'm not you know, if my if my program tells me I gotta do a four second eccentric, I'm picking appropriate weight, I have good intensity behind what I'm trying to do with that workout. I go in there with intention. So yes, train with intention as well. What are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish from this workout? Is it a low intensity? Is it a dynamic effort? Is it a max effort? Is it a speed day? What are you trying to do with this one, right? Are you going in there and you're just picking exercise? You have no idea what the tempo is and the sets and the reps are, and you don't know what exercise you're going to be doing? Horrible, right? That is a Losing mentality in terms of building awesome physique. You want to go in there with intention. Understand what you're doing before you go in there. Visualize how it's going to get done. Know what weights you're going to choose. Know what weights are appropriate for you, right? Understand why you're doing something. If you don't know, educate yourself. Ask a coach. Ask myself. DM me. Ask a professional. Learn, right? Have intention behind what you're doing. If not, if you're just going in there and you have no clue and you're on your own, Yeah, you're going to get shitty results. If you have no clue and you're working with a coach, yeah, that could be the coach's responsibility to create a program with intention. But at the end of the day, whatever you're doing, whatever your style of workout is, solo, group with somebody, have intention behind what you're doing. If not, it's going to be a very general result. Patience. And consistency, you're you're laying bricks. Every single time you go into the gym and you're looking to sculpt an awesome-looking physique, you are laying a brick. Guess what? That takes time. I talked to my girlfriend. She moved from doing more classwork into she really wanted to build her glutes, right? She wanted to build more muscle. Well, I told her all the stuff we talked about today, and I told her how she has to do that. And the best approach, the most efficient approach. You know, it is what it is, the research, the study, the books it's all there, right? This is this is the best way. This is the this is the way you build an awesome looking physique. No other way. And all the other stuff is just kind of noise, right? It's again, what's your intention? What is your purpose? What are you trying to accomplish? And I told her, I don't care about really what you accomplish in 6 months in a year. What what we're trying to build something for 3 to 5 to 10 years. Like and for her that might suck to hear when she first goes, "Man, like this is going to take 3 to 5 years." I go, "Yeah, you want great set of glutes you want you want a great ass you want to develop a really strong body you're going to get stronger month to month you're going to feel better you're going to look better we're going to have different blocks of training you know all that different stuff but this awesome looking physique is going to take time a lot of time but again once you love it and you invest time in it and you have fun with it great things happen that's why it could look like in terms of mentality where you're at right now you need to know where you're at are you someone who wants is so focused on the result because if you're so focused on the result you are going to fail if you're all about the result you will fail you need to fall in love with the process you need to fall in love with the consistency and the discipline of showing up so if you're someone who knows you're gonna you know and you know three days a week of training is way too much for you and you're all about result focused and you're all result oriented yeah, you're going to end up failing. Maybe you're not in the space right now, in the right mental space, to be successful in developing an awesome-looking physique. Train once a week. Get good at it. Make that workout great, right? Eat what you want to eat. Do what you want to do. But have a great workout when you go and Make that one hour the best possible hour you can invest. And when you're ready and you're in the right mental space to invest more time and dial in your nutrition and adopt proper... Recovery practices, stress management exercises, and really get your body in a great state to build rather than break down. Then do another session. Maybe do some session on your own. Invest in a coach. Do some stuff. But again, if you're not in the right, proper headspace to build an awesome looking physique, don't force it. Get there by building on consistency. Get consistent. Get disciplined. Build momentum. Let that one awesome workout a week lead to two when you're ready. Right, But if you think that you're just going to show up and in six months you're going to get a great result because you're putting three to five days a week into the gym, you're wrong. Because it takes a long time. But it doesn't mean you're not going to look better month to month. You are. You're going to be stronger. If you're doing the right stuff, all those things will be created. But again, it's about patience. It's about consistency. It's about understanding things take time. Like my girlfriend, hey, three to five years, let's see how her glutes look. They're already looking way better. It's been a year. Way better. Super strong in terms of relative strength, she's done amazing. But in terms of building of awesome looking physique that she's looking at and she sees people, she's wow, I'd really like to replicate that. That takes time. Like me, when I first started, when I was 15 years old working out, guess what? I wasn't happy about my physique for until about 22. Doesn't mean I wasn't, I didn't like my physique, but I'm talking about, wow, I was like, man, like this is, this is a well put together physique. It took time. Right? It doesn't mean I wasn't looking really good. I was getting compliments in high school and I was looking good. I had abs and I had a good strength, you know, at, at 17 and 18 and 19 and 20, of course. But it took time to really develop, right? And I was okay with that because I was constantly feeling better. I was looking better. I was performing better. I had more energy. And, and so when you have the mentality to focus on not being so much result oriented, but more so how you feel how you, and how you're performing, that's going to keep you going. Right. That is laying the building blocks. Right. That is create creating momentum for you to really see some awesome results. And through that mentality and proper mentality, you got to make sure you're laying the proper building blocks. That's eating the right stuff. Proper mentality. If I'm trying to build muscle, I need to eat food. Right. I just put a chart, a little post on Instagram there on my story talking about it obviously by the time you listen to this it's going to be way past that story but uh, it just talks about the average person needs way more calories than they're eating you know you're not two years old you don't need 1200 calories a day you know you need more food you're between 130 to 150 pounds to a male who's 180 to 220 you need a lot of food right you're trying to build an awesome looking physique being in a constant calorie deficit poor poor choice right Increased stress muscle breakdown Reduce metabolic rate, that's a shitty system, right? That that is a bad approach to develop an awesome-looking physique. Here, you want to periodize your nutrition just like you would periodize your your strength training, right? You want to make sure some blocks and months you're going into more of a cut, slight cut. Some months you're going into more of a surplus where you're building some lean muscle tissue. You know, all good things, but you got to make sure you're laying the building blocks. Your body needs food, right? It needs nourishment to grow, that's basically the game here guys but again that's the mentality what mentality do you have going into this do you have a mentality you have an improper imbalanced relationship with food and a negative relationship well, you got to develop that relationship first right you got to make sure you have a healthy relationship with food look at it as a you know fuel source and, and something to be nurtured in terms of balance and gut healing and and feeling great and having more energy that's a proper mentality to accomplishing an awesome looking physique Guys, like always, you can visit at 365com for tons of resources, a lot of blogs, posts on fitness, nutrition, wellness, and mentality, as well as different programs I offer, right? Nutrition programs, nutrition ebook, 104-page ebook you guys can have in your hands as well for $14.99, super cheap, a ton of value. You have online programs, I have community programs, I have one-on-one coaching, a lot of different things you can purchase on there. If you guys want to develop that awesome-looking physique and don't know quite, know where to start guys thank you so much for listening and again keep tuning in keep checking us out rate us comment share us do all the fun stuff and we'll see you in the next episode